there, everyone. I'm Father Alex Andahar. And I'm Reverend David Marshall. And this is A Bridge Between, uh, where we bridge our knowledge of the gospel. We continue to bridge our friendship and the distance uh, between it. And this time, uh, Dave, I'm glad that we are uh, not near any of the bridges, but are, in fact, um, on dry land. We are on dry land, and I'm not in my car. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that's helpful. I've had, I've had no cameras falling this time. So, But, you know, we've got some time together. Who knows? Maybe it will fall. You never know. Well, Let's see what happens. On, depending on what we say, maybe lightning will strike. You know, you never know. Well, you know, it is Florida. So we are a lightning capital of the world. So, yeah. Did you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. Uh, my parish helped me celebrate uh, five years as uh, their rector, which I just can't believe where the time uh, went. I've been with uh, St. Vincent's for more than almost almost or more than seven years now and then june 29th uh is uh, the anniversary of my installation as rector and my ordination to the priesthood anniversary um so they celebrated it this uh weekend and i'm just overwhelmed um just by the show of love they had that's fantastic and for those that are watching that didn't understand the clergy speak that alex just said um you can install air conditioning units you can install an oven and you also uh, maybe can install what's called a rector. And that is the senior pastor or the one that's in charge of, a uh, rector is Latin for ruler, by the way, yep. uh, and not the type that measures. But uh, so he has been uh, the senior pastor at his church and he was officially received by them. And that was uh, five years ago on the 29th. Right. And, and really what the difference is between that and what we might call a, a priest in charge is a person who has tenure. It's, it's a longer term relationship. It is. Yeah. And it's a commitment both from um, from the priest and from uh, the congregation who receives. And so it's Absolutely. Uh, and they don't have to celebrate. Uh, and but they did. So it's a beautiful gift of love and uh, and can be very overwhelming. Um, well, I, I told him, I said they did two things. One, they surprised me. Yeah. I said in two, they left me speechless. Two things that almost never happen. So. <laughs> Right. See, and see, folks, I can surprise him and I do that and I love to do it, but he's always got something to say. It's I've never been able to, you know, get him to say nothing. So it's it's not a competition. It's it's don't please just it's not a competition. You know, <laughs> it's a competition. <laughs> so uh, so this week, um, yes, something that you and I have talked about is that sometimes it's the long passages of Scripture that can get you in trouble or that can confuse you. Sure. Other times, it's the short selections from the lectionary that can either be confusing or difficult uh, to preach on. And this time around, we've got a short one. We have one that is, uh, yeah, there's no other way to put it, but it's short. I didn't do a word count, I could, but um, the, can I go into church history real quick? Please do so. All right, so um, there are, if you go back into the early church, there were two different ways that they would do the lessons on Sunday. And some of them would read an entire chapter. Um, it's rumored that at one point, Mark, the entire gospel of Mark was read once. Um, the, but as, we, as the church, as we move into basilicas, we move into these really large facilities, getting the sound of the voice out was really hard. And so they went to uh, shorter passages that we call pericopes. And, uh, and they did that because the person, the orator, the one seeing it, 
would just run out of air. I mean, just it's really hard to be able to get your voice to spread that far out. And so what we have today is one of those short passages um, that that somebody could say back without having any sort of application that they could project their voice and send this message out. So we're going to hear it today. Is this the right time for me to read it? Oh, yes. It is two verses. It is the last two verses of the chapter 10 uh, of chapter 10 of Matthew's gospel. Jesus said, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Mm -hmm. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. That's it. There you go. Close up. It, it doesn't say that's it. I, that was me saying that's it. Uh, saying here endeth the lesson. How about here that? Here endeth the lesson. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're going to have some fun. Uh, do you want to jump in first? Or do you want me to jump in? Uh, let me jump in first because um, yeah. you've got some good stuff that will actually, you know, we'll talk about a little bit of the Greek because we do need to talk a little bit about the Greek today. Um, and it is Jimmy the Greek? Passage, but, well, yeah, that we, we, it's good to delve into it. Sure. Um, I'm one of those individuals that whenever a word in scripture keeps coming again and again and again, I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, pay attention to this word. Mm -hmm. And the word here is welcome. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of what I've been pondering over the last uh, several weeks with my congregation is, what does it mean to have hospitality? Um, what does it mean to welcome um, someone? And there are differing, there's really differing theologies and differing ideas about this. Uh, churches, and you know, our own parish right now, we're working towards what's called a hospitality audit. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that you look around your campus and you ask yourself, if a stranger were to walk up and look at our campus and look through our doors and, and come here, what would they find? Would they feel welcome? Does this place even look like it's open? You know, how's the landscaping and the paint, you know, those kinds of things, but also... How are the people and are they a welcoming presence as well? And I think it's important to ask those questions in our homes. Do we have a welcoming uh -huh. home? Mm -hmm. As well as in church, do we have a welcoming church? And I think what Jesus is saying here is that there's a line, a clear line of welcoming. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. If they're welcoming you, then I'm right there being welcomed along with you because you're bringing me with you. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, God the Father. And so there's this, there's this idea of hospitality having a chain reaction. And the reason I think that's true is that there are individuals that, you know, for example, we do a blessing of the animals every year, you know, in October. Um, partly because it's a very Episcopal thing to do and it welcomes people. Also partly because I'm a Franciscan and I have pets. But I have met people who started out in our parish because they came to the blessing of the animals. Right. They felt that one outlet of being welcomed led to another welcome and another and another and another. 
and so uh, you know you'll go a little bit more into some of the technical stuff of the language but to me I think the phrase I would want people to think about is are we creating a chain reaction of hospitality that's um, that's great and it also answers the so what question of this sounds nice but so what what does it mean and uh, part of it is the chain reaction um, I so I had a little bit of fun while you were talking as well and um, we haven't gotten a numerology, but sometimes we can do that. You ready? I mean, I might surprise you. Go for it. The, there are seven welcomes. So it said seven times. Seven is a holy number. Seven is a very important number in the Bible. Uh, the other word is reward. Reward is mentioned three times. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, another holy number. It's just interesting to me. Just if you want to look at some numbers, that that's fun. Um, so. The, the other sense is if you were to send an emissary or an ambassador, or if you were to receive an ambassador from another country, um, how we receive them is how uh, we would receive the one who sent them. This is a very common or customary thing. Oh. And um, earlier today, uh, I was um, meeting with somebody talking about the U.S. Navy and how um, in the Philippines, we took prisoners of war, which were the Japanese, and we're sending them back to Japan. And um, some of them were treated uh, inhumanely, treated like cattle as opposed to humans. And that was uh, apparently corrected um, because we are uh, viewed on how we handle even the least of these. And so um, it's not just how do you re receive an ambassador or a diplomat or uh, the president or chancellor of another country, but how do we treat those that are at the least? And so we, um, in this country, we're, we're focused on that as hospitality. So Jesus is asserting that um, whoever is welcoming those that are sent in the name of Jesus are receiving Jesus and not only him, receiving God the Father, as you pointed out. Uh, that makes sense. But I have a question for you. Um, if there is the president of the University of South Florida and that president decides to have dinner at your house, uh, that Alex has and his family has the reward of simply saying we had for dinner the president of right. Uh, right. USF, right? Um, that is its own reward. It's not a reward from God. It's a reward uh, that people give you. Um, the other part is that there's some verbs in here, and I looked at the tense of those verbs, and they are not aorist. They are not something that happened in the past, happening now, and will happen in the future. Right. This is a one-time event. Uh, winning the lottery, getting the money, done. That the reward is simply receiving that. Um, so the other fun, if we, so when Jesus talks about if you receive a prophet, if you receive a righteous person, that it has its own rewards. Uh, by by having that prophet in your house or by having the righteous person, you know, it has its own thing. Mm -hmm. um, and my question to those listening is, who is the most famous, most well-known, most uh, public notoriety type person that you've ever welcomed into your house? Like, uh, and it's an interesting question to ask one another, but have you ever hosted somebody like that? Um, it is its own reward. The last part, which is where I think the meat of this is, is Jesus says, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Um, cold water. Outside of people's homes, they have water. 
water and giving water to each other is a default customary practice in uh, Jesus's day and time, and, and still, frankly, is. And that you would have water on the outside that's for animals, water for washing feet, water that the stranger or the passerby can drink from, and you would make sure that there's water there. Um, they don't have indoor plumbing the way that we do, and so you would have to fill up buckets and go to the well, and it, it's a bit of a problem, but you could do it. The water that is cold is the water that's kept inside of your home. That water is for your family. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus is saying is giving a cup of cold water, not one like this that, you know, that has ice in it, but water that's from the inside that you reserve for your family. To give to a little one, which would be a child, and children had no regard or status in society, right. unlike today. Um, and then a disciple. A disciple is the least. It's the student. And when he says disciple, he doesn't mean like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when they were disciples. No, uh, he's talking about a student. So someone who has no benefit to society um, giving water that you have for your house reserved for your family to somebody that has no status. What's the reward for that? If I can draw a comparison, mm -hmm. um, we saw Abraham a week or a couple weeks ago recognizing angels or recognizing the presence of God right. and just going above and beyond yes. in hospitality. And I think that is important. When we recognize that God or the presence of God or the angels of God are among us, we need to develop that sense of hospitality. But what I'm hearing you say is that really all who come to us in Jesus's name, and really, let's just take it a step further. All who are the image of God who come to us are worthy of that high level of hospitality. And, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. When you go to a hotel, right? Like a really nice hotel. I used to get upset about the fact that there were two lines, you know, the lines for, for us regular people and then the lines for like the premium people who, oh, you know, right. paid the fee and, you right. know, whatever. I used to get upset about that. Then I said, you know, I don't pay that. So I'm not entitled to it. Right. But it kind of made me think that there's a whole level of hospitality this hotel could show me that I'm not privy to. And I wonder, is that my heart? Like when God comes or when somebody comes to visit my heart, am I showing the same level of, of hospitality that, that needs to be shown? When somebody comes to the parish, am I showing the same level of hospitality regardless of whether or not they have money or not, how they're dressed or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good kind of a place to get that so what question that you were talking about. Right, right. Yeah. The other fun thing about this is um, it's not that you're giving somebody a glass of water and somebody else some wine and any passerby can see that the wine looks different than the water. Right. If you give somebody a cold cup of water, the water that you reserve for your family on the inside, it looks the same. Nobody else knows except the one who receives, drinks the water, knows that it's cooler, which means you brought it from inside of your house. That, um, But... Jesus asserting this, that when you've done this for the least of these, you do it for me, God knows, and the reward is then from God, not from others who said, oh, you had the president of USF at your house, uh, that it's a, it's a totally different type of, uh, of reward or a different level. 
Can I, can I go a different tack just a little bit? Because it just, sure. it just hit me something that's so obvious, but I have not verbalized it, which is you talk about the president of a university or let's say it was a head of state that, that's coming okay. to your house. Right. And you're, you're like, oh, my gosh. And I wonder what they eat. What do they drink? You know, are there customs I need to follow? And we're supposed to be like welcoming as if this person is the person who's coming to, to visit us, who is, quote unquote, lowly, let's say. As if it was Jesus. What? Yes. What are we rolling out the red carpet in the way that we should? Right. You know, this is Jesus showing up. Are we accepting him or her in the way that Jesus would want to be accepted and welcomed? Are we killing killing the fattened calf and you know getting the curds and the and baking the bread, or are we just saying, eh, you know, anything will do? Mm-hmm. So um, let's say you and I were making a cartoon, mm -hmm. uh, and in the cartoon there was Santa Claus and Jesus, and they were walking down the street knocking on doors um, and being received in. Um, the cartoon we would have that would be highly cynical would be people being really excited to have Santa at their house, and because what's the reward of pleasing Santa? You get presents, you know, the following Christmas, um, as opposed to receiving Jesus. Anyway, I'm just kind of spitballing here yeah uh it would be an interesting cartoon okay so um with that being said the um when we have these short pericopes these short passages and when they repeat and when we are searching for the question of so what um that allows us to um reimagine jesus's words in the 21st century and it allows us to um to not rewrite what Jesus said, but to um, to amplify it in our own lives. And so I have somebody, he's a professor uh, from Yale Divinity, uh, William Gottler. Uh, would you like to hear how he, uh, how he has written this on his heart? Right, exactly. He's just kind of saying this is what has affected him and his kind of interpretation of what it might sound like today. Yes, so here it is. Um, so Professor Gottler wrote, Take that love for family, that love that you have for your closest community, and extend it. Extend it further and further still. Welcome in the stranger. Welcome in the one whose life you hardly understand. And not to change them, but welcome them simply because they too are God's own possession. Mm -hmm. So that's how he has written this about um, take that love that you have for your family, for your closest community, and extend it. Extend, extend, extend. And especially to the ones you hardly understand. Um, but they too are God's own possession. So um, I'm wondering with our, uh, with our listeners, are they listeners or watchers? I wonder which, anyway. Both. Um, that uh, how would they write this into their own life? How would you hear um, offering cold cup of water to the least or the little or the disciple or the student or the one that has no value. Uh, how does that play out into your own life? How would you write it? I think um, just kind of fumbling with the words a little bit and using the example that um, I would probably be preaching on, which is how do we welcome somebody into our church community who may be from coming from outside and, you know, depending on, you know, uh, how are they dressed? How do they look? All those types of things that, that we worry about, I think, a little too much. Um, but it would say, you know, if you get, if you create a space or if you add an extra chair to your table mm -hmm. for the person who might show up, right. 
I, I think I'm getting a vision in, in my mind of going into our uh, parish hall, counting how many chairs are usually there, and then adding one to all the tables and putting a sign there that says visitors only. Mm-hmm. You know, like how would that affect our sense of hospitality? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's not that I'm implying that my congregation excludes people. That's, that's, that's not it. But it's sometimes you've got to be very deliberate in that you are providing space for a person who is sometimes just traveling through or somebody who's looking for a community or somebody who's just going to be there one day. And I'm not talking about just Easter and, and Christmas. There's, we're Florida. There are people who come here and they're like, listen, I was just in town for a conference. I saw your church. I wanted to come and, and have a cup of coffee and enjoy the Eucharist and all these things. That's great. Um, but there are some people who they need that space kind of explicitly created for them because they may not have been welcomed in other places mm. or, you know, they may they've been hurt or the congregation itself needs to kind of flex its hospitality muscle even more so. Um, that's yeah. kind of where I, you know, those words kind of come for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very good. Um, and on, uh, Something that's rolling around in my head is that last week I had two uh, memorial services, and mm-hmm. and often we don't have two in one week, and um, and especially in the summer, when at least at my parish, a lot of my uh, volunteers have gone north or somewhere a little cooler, um, that it makes those things a little more difficult. But when we make bulletins, and Alex and I can talk about this for those churches that print bulletins, uh, on Sunday we try to hit it to get the right number, right? We try to imagine how many are going to be there. And then if we start running out of bulletins, it's exciting because we're like, Ooh, we're running out of bulletins today. And people start sharing and all that type of stuff. Never, ever do that for a funeral. Um, <laughs> that it is not hospitality, uh, to run out of bulletins at a memorial or a funeral. So you always print more. And so we were getting close to the number we thought, and I printed 10 extra and just had them sitting out just for those who might show up late. Um, and it's, it's just that act of hospitality. Um, and it's, again, it's something that nobody else really knows or sees. And in our own life, how do we roll that hospitality out to others? I think it has to be trained back into us in a real way. Uh, I mean, we live such insulated lives. We don't know our neighbors too often. You know, um, how comfortable do people feel on knocking on somebody's door if they're lost? I mean, this is kind of some of the things, some of the things we struggle with now as a society. Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, since my main context is the church, I think a lot about what does it mean for our doors to be symbols of, of openness and hospitality uh, in that way. But that is something that has to be trained back into us because there are too many times we've closed ourselves off as people of faith. Right. Right. And we live in a time of anxiety and fear of strangers and of others. And um, we are heading into yet another uh, highly polarizing uh, political time. Um, And we get even more nervous about that. But uh, but back to the professor's words about um, welcome in the one whose life you hardly understand. Um, Welcome in somebody that has a totally different uh, opinion or political thought or, you know, and offer them cold water too, that it's, it, that's because they're God's own possession, that we are, we are called for all of that. And even if you're listening right now in the car and somebody just cuts you off, 
yeah, that person's God's own possession too, right? God loves that person as well. And it's, um, it's that extension of hospitality that as the, um, as the popular hymn in the seventies about, they will know us, uh, by our love, um, that that's how people will know that we have Jesus in our heart because we, we love others and those that are particularly difficult to love. We still sing that song in our parish today. Good. It's an important one. I mean, it, it still holds, right? Oh, it, it, it holds. It holds for sure. I'm trying to find somebody to play the bongos, you know, to spice it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to throw in a comment about a tambourine, but I'm going to, I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so this is helping me for Sunday. Um, Tremendous. And yeah, uh, the, the other lesson that we're pairing this up with is from Genesis and it's when Abraham is instructed to, uh, sacrifice his son, Isaac. And I much rather talk about welcoming and hospitality. So, yes. And that's another, that's another one for another day. When we start doing uh, a bridge between regarding the old Testament, then we'll, uh, you know, that, that'll be another discussion. <laughs> Right. And it's hard enough for us to take a pericope that's short and keep it under a half an hour. But can you imagine trying to unpack um, the Abraham and Isaac's relationship? So that's yeah. uh, although I will say this, one of my favorite church cartoons is when uh, Isaac and Abraham are coming back down the mountain and Isaac turns to his father and says, OK, what the heck was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. That's a, I mean, that's a great question. Like, what in the world was that? Yeah. Yeah. The other interesting thing that I just had this time reading through is that he he made Isaac carry the wood. That's Come hardcore. On. It is hardcore, but it also reminds me of Jesus and he well, had to carry the cross, right? That, that's... Um, folks, and the idea of the story for us is to get these parallels. So, um, yeah. yeah, powerful stuff. Um, so keep welcoming, keeping... Um, Amen. Keep offering uh, the water, the welcome you receive for just, you save just for your family. Uh, try extending it to somebody else and, and keep that chain of welcome going. There you go. Well, Dave, I've had a great time today. This is going to really help me in my sermon preparation. And uh, I just want to let everybody know who is catching us on YouTube and leaving comments. I'm getting a little better. Uh, please be persistent. I'm getting better about answering those comments. And uh, don't forget, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And uh, you can always uh, reach out and contact us and let us know if you have some questions. Would love to hear more. And, you know, comments from Linda are great, but comments from anybody would be uh, would be welcome. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. It was good talking to you. And I'll catch you in the next one, Dave. Alex, it's been great talking to you. And God bless. All right.